Hello and welcome to the Professional Reflexology Podcast. My name is Olivia Hart. I'm a reflexologist, a tutor and a part of the PR team. This podcast is all about reflexology and some of the wonderfully inspirational people that have shaped it into what it is today, as well as guests who love the therapy and bring along their own special take on it all. Just before we get going, for those of you that are here for the first time, Professional Reflexology is a UK-based membership and education organisation passionate about spreading the word of this wonderful therapy. To find out more about what we do, please visit www.professionalreflexology.org. Well, this is a very different format than what we're used to here on the podcast. A couple of weeks ago, we took to social media to ask you for your questions and we have a crack team of experts with an unbelievable combined 83 years of reflexology knowledge waiting to answer them. We're hoping to get through them all if we can. And I just want to say thank you before we start for all of you being here today. So let's get going, shall we? So Wendy, if we start with you, if you can say who you are and what you do for those listening. Thank you, Libby. Well, hello, I'm Wendy Fink and I started my love for reflexology over 30 years ago. In those days, it was pretty unknown and considered a bit of a jokey foot massage. So then I wanted to try and bring my methods and theories into teaching So over many hours, I wrote a course and then founded the Three Shards School of Reflexology. That was in 1995. So now I'll hand you over to Hagar, who is so special and lives in a suitcase, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I have so much admiration for this lady. She seems to whistle around the world all the time. (laughs) doing good works. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. I thought you meant where I live was like a suitcase and it feels like that. <laughs> um, yes, thanks, Wendy. Yeah, my name is Hagar and I have been practising now since 1989. I trained with Tony Porter with the International Institute of Reflexology in London all the way back 30 years ago. And it was an incredible time for me, sort of awakening into reflexology. It's something definitely was my path. I know now this is what I've been meant to do all my all my life. And uh, to know Tony and to be taught by him was very important part of my foundation, uh, my skill sets. Now I have my own school, Reflexology Academy in London, where I teach diploma courses and also teach workshops, CPD, so invite people from outside the UK to come and teach their workshops in reflexology. So I'm very lucky. I feel very blessed. And I'm Martin. I've been a reflexologist since 1997. I am Director of Professional Reflexology. And I just love our therapy. It's something that just took over my life when I started. And bit by bit by bit, it has become my life. Reflexology is absolutely superb. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you for those lovely introductions. Um, You guys are all incredibly experienced reflexologists. In comparison, I'm very much in my kind of reflexology infancy, if you like. But we have had loads of questions from lots of different people covering quite a wide range of subjects. So I think probably the best thing to do is get cracking. So the first question here is from Claire. Hopefully this will start off as a nice, easy one. So she asks, how long have each of you been reflexologists for? And in the time you've all been doing it, how do you think it's changed along the way? Ooh, that's a cracker, isn't it, Hagar? It's kind of a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, I've been doing uh, reflexology now for 30 years. And um, when back then, when I started, not many people knew about reflexology. And, um, and so it really has grown since then in that, you know, reflexology seems to be everywhere. Um, but saying that, some people still do not know exactly what reflexology is. <laughs> so that's yeah, quite a big, no big subject. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but uh, back then, you know, it seemed to be quite, people were interested, it seems, but um, there was much less reflexology about. Mm. And it, it seemed to be an exciting time to, to get involved with reflexology. Do you feel it's much more academic, Hagar, now? 
Absolutely. I mean, to be honest with you, it's not rocket science, is it? And um, it's an incredibly powerful modality. But um, we can talk about the body, inf- you know, infinitum, really. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we can learn about that and, you know, how the body works. And it's, you know, and it's incredible. But, you know, with reflexology being a practical modality, really it has changed in the way that it's being taught definitely over the years and also perhaps in the way it's it's been practiced um yes you know when when i trained we had a couple of garden beds (laughs) and a buffet to sit on Um, (laughs) and you know we just did our best didn't do anything for our posture though (laughs) no gosh no definitely not I don't know whether you would agree, but it does strike me that since I trained, I trained in reflexology, and there are now so many things that are tacked on that appear to be or are called reflexology, but not what I would describe as pure reflexology. Yes. And a lot of those things are taught, and everybody thinks that they ought to perhaps learn them, but the basics of a reflexology treatment is something we should perhaps get back to. Yeah, as it's so powerful on its own. It is a very, very very powerful modality. It really is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it seems that the the other bits and pieces that are added in seem to be part and parcel of training that that, um, perhaps is not necessary right at the start, whereas they miss out on the pure reflexology. That's my opinion. Yeah. yeah, I think you really need a strong foundation mm. yes. in, in reflexology. And then you can add, you know, I mean, so many wonderful uh, other modalities that work together with reflexology very powerfully. Yeah. But they yeah. are not reflexology, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. So um, reflexology is a pure a modality. And then you can add on um, different aspects. But you have to have that grounding to start with, of course. Mm. Yes, and I think that's very important because I do feel that um, techniques have been watered down over the years, the way they've been taught. And, you know, to do, you know, to give a reflexology session, there are many, many ways of giving reflexology. I do agree with that. But, you know, the essence of what reflexology is and how we apply it, you know, that is handed down and have been seem to be watered down over time in some schools mm. i should think yes. <laughs> in some trainings yes it, it can it can become a going through the motions as opposed to the reason why you're doing it does yeah. that make sense yeah i think you actually put it a lot better than me anyway i don't know <laughs> i don't know if i did <laughs> yeah, you anyway, did you yeah. did okay <laughs> It's quite important, isn't it, though? Isn't oh, it? Yes. Because, oh, yeah. Because, you know, a, a, a good foundation in, in the actual techniques, um, you know, and then the experience, you know, to be able to palpate the reflexes, to find the reflexes, and then to work them, you know, and that's, that's essential, really, for a reflexologist. Mm. Yeah, totally agree, darling. Absolutely. Okay, so we've got another one from Instagram. This one's from Janie Drysdale. So she asked about contraindications to treatment and she mentioned type 1 diabetes. So do you believe that there are contraindications to treatment? If so, which ones and why and everything else? A lot of people say there are no contraindications. Yes, Um, yeah. But I I would disagree with that. I would think something like, for instance, instance phlebitis yes you wouldn't want to be treating that yeah i think it depends very much on the on each individual case doesn't it yeah i do i i I was i was brought up (laughs) with no contraindications um just common sense really yeah you know so um if someone had an active uh dvt you know then it's not your place as a reflexologist to treat them Correct. You know, they have to Absolutely. go to the emergency, um, you know, and um, and so that is, is not your call. But, you know, once they're stabilised, I was taught, you know, yeah. then the reflexology is going to be really helpful to help them heal. Mm. And yes. so, Agre- you know, that, that is yeah. the important bit. I think we have to use common sense, you know. Absolutely. If someone's broken their foot, we're not going to start to move it around, are Yes, definitely. So, um, so obviously yeah. your, your questioning with the client to start with is vitally important so you know yes. exactly where you're coming from and where they're coming from. Yeah, that consultation process. 
I think there's a lot of scaremongering really with contraindications. Yes. I think, you know, over the years, I remember when I was training, uh, you know, or I, when I was assisting Tony uh, with the International Institute of Reflexology when we were teaching the course and there was the Institute of Complementary Medicine we were trying to become members of, or the International Institute of Reflexology was trying mm-hmm. to become a member of that. Of that. Mm. Uh, and um, they said that you needed to have 20 contraindications to become a member. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> For goodness sake. <laughs> and that's what I, the, I remember the story. It was many, many, many years ago, over 25 years ago. So, um, and of course, we didn't join. Well, you know, the Institute didn't join. I was, I was just no, an assistant no. tutor then. But, you know, um, because we didn't have any. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yes, a question of common sense and how you treat and the person and what it is within them. And as Wendy said, what you've gained from their initial client questionnaire, etc. So I, I think there are certain com- contraindications. Or for example, if somebody has thrombosis and, and it is active, you don't treat them. Mm. Yeah. That was probably Hagar that said that, wasn't it? Yeah. But yes, I mean, you've got to be, one, one is sensible with the client in front of you. Okay. So this one leads on to contraindications because I think often when we're teaching or getting taught reflexology, this is relevant. So this is somebody that wanted to be kept anonymous. When I trained in the early 2000s, I was taught not to treat pregnant clients in the first trimester. What is your opinion? Okay. I I would say why not? I mean, I hear this a lot. um, And it seems to me now that people are not being trained uh, like this as much um, anymore. But but it's very common uh, to hear from uh, practitioners that they were trained not to treat um, women in the first trimester. And my opinion is that it's, it's very important and valuable to have reflexology during the first trimester. Um, you know, where it can really help and serve the pregnancy rather than it being, you know, something that we should fear. And I also feel that, you know, when someone is training and they get that message from their tutor, it's really like an arrow of fear in their heart. So even if later on they they know that it's absolutely safe to treat that that pregnant woman, they're still going to feel that fear that they were initially taught that maybe something will go wrong mm. and it will be their fault. And I think that is awful. I think that's really awful. There may be a, a case where, you know, it is not appropriate to, te- uh, to uh, treat. However, most of the time it's absolutely safe. And, um, you know, reflex- reflexology is restorative. It's restorative in nature. It cannot cause a miscarriage. Hagar, do you feel when students are being taught that if somebody has already had a miscarriage, they're actually frightened themselves? And also, you don't want to put the student in that situation whereby there may be, not through any fault of the reflexologist, but they may have a miscarriage again. And it just might be in their minds. So you mean for the student, they might feel that it's their, you know, yeah, that that was yeah. their... It's, you know, we, we always say perhaps to the students, it would be a good idea not to in the first trip while you're training. But, you know, we go on to say that it's, it's safe and everything else. But yes. we tell them why, just in yes. case yeah. they feel responsible. We don't want them to feel that. Yes. Yeah, it sounds from this the 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 way the question's phrased as if, um, oh, it's anonymous. Sorry, I, I was just seeing if I could find a name there or remember a name. Um, but in the in the early two thousands, that was basically what was taught, and particularly so um, with the old AOR uh, um, mm. certificate uh, that you didn't treat in the first three months of, of pregnancy mm. but it sounds like this person is coming to the opinion on their own that that why shouldn't she be doing it yes yes yes, or he, yes. But yeah. that's fine yeah <laughs> my own personal yeah. opinion is I, I treated a lot during pregnancy I would always treat somebody during the first three months had I been treating them beforehand and I would let 
if somebody became pregnant, I would let perhaps a month or six weeks go past before I started treating them for pregnancy. But that was because in the back of my mind, and you're absolutely right, there's that fear of that, that um, I was taught not to treat during the first three months. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, was, I wasn't part of the uh, Association of Reflexologists during that time. Um, certainly, you know, uh, the International Institute of Reflexology wasn't, and... Um, and uh, Reflexology Academy wasn't. So I didn't have that sort of upbringing, if you like. Mm. Um, um, but I do feel very strongly that um, if we place that fear, you know, because it was uh, in the beginning, it was fear of litigation, you know, that if something goes wrong, then that woman is going to blame the reflexologist. And to be honest, I haven't heard of one case <laughs> one case yeah. of that uh, actually coming to light and the other thing is I, I do feel that you know I mean I've recently my, I, uh, very recently um, uh, had a new client who had a history of several miscarriages you know quite a young woman and she came from reflexology and got pregnant and you know she's nearly full term and uh, you know I feel that because it's it is safe and restorative it can help to deal with the problem of miscarriage and um you know and and often that is the case so in a way it's like you know if you are reinforcing that to your client and you're saying to them you know um i don't know what's going to happen here but let's give it a go and there's no you know have no fear that the reflexology can do no harm um Often, you know, I don't have to say that to to my client, but I can understand if someone has been, um, if maybe the client is feeling um, worried. I mean, certainly if the client's feeling worried, I would not do the reflexology. Yeah, that would be the contraindication. No, cool. Again, it's that yeah. common sense, yeah. isn't it? Taking over yeah. and going, actually, do you know what? This probably isn't a good idea sort of thing. Okay, so um, I'm guessing all three of you have had quite a lot of experience in this, um, but I know, Wendy, you've been treating someone recently. So what is your opinion or advice on reflexology where a client is undergoing IVF? Well, I, I have treated many people who are undergoing IVF. Um, I think you have to be aware of when they're, they're having the treatment and just work very gently on the hormones is what I do because obviously when they're having IVF their hormones are all over the place they're absolutely in a almost terror state um, they're desperate desperately wanting a, a child and you've got a lot of a lot of issues there so I think it's it's I think it's very important to to reassure and to give the best reflexology treatment you can without going too much into too many areas that you just feel you ought to be careful with. More relaxing, in other words. More yes, yeah. more of a a, a relaxing treatment. Mm. I mean, I treated people that are undergoing IVF, and I concur with what Wendy says um, this in a way goes back to the last question which is why somebody would imagine that you don't treat in the first trimester it's because reflexology is so powerful that it's going to cause the body to reject the fetus so with IVF the, th the thinking surely would be that the um, body is going to reject the various drugs, etc., that they've been using in order to to implant, and it won't work. But is that the case? I don't personally think that seems to work. I think it actually reinforces what it's yes. doing, yeah. so it sort of helps. What do you think, Agar? I think the drugs are so powerful that you know the reflexology is yeah. not going to override absolutely um, yeah. that. And I do feel you know it's really important to have treatment all the way through. Like you said, you know, very important to ease, you know, the anxiety and the fear. And yeah. um, yeah. Mm. That, that is present uh, during such a sort of stressful procedure, especially for the, for the woman. And oh, I would absolutely. also um, treat the man as well, you know, the partner. Yes. As well yes. Off, you know, because that, uh, um, 
is very important as well because it can also help with motility, you know, sperm health. And yep. um, uh, and certainly if the man is, is, is giving the sperm, then that's really important as well. So... Um, for both We're of all them. agreed on that. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go for and it. All, all, all the way through, you know, the IVF process, I do anyway, um, obviously in consultation with the um, with the couple. So yeah. um, mm. they're happy to go through each stage and it's been very successful. Fab, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, I think I so often in the in the conversation of fertility, the men get left out a little bit and it's so important, isn't it, to include both parts of the couple yes um okay so this one is for you hagar from yellow chair me from instagram so with your interest okay. in gynecological issues how can reflexology assist with perimenopausal symptoms and should gps recommend more complementary therapies for gynecological issues when i'm qualified i would like to specialize in women's issues that can be treated through reflexology and would love to hear your thoughts well, this is an excellent, you know, reflexology is an excellent modality for working with hormones, hormonal health. It really does work brilliantly um, to um, balance our hormones. And it sounds so simple <laughs> for such a complex <laughs> system, but it Absolutely. really does work. <laughs> and, um, you know, with perimenopause, you know, you have so many symptoms and, you know, can start from the age, you know, quite early on, you know, from the early 40s into the sort of mid 50s. Um, and so many, many women are suffering, you know, and we can really help ease that suffering. And I would really recommend that you work, um, you know, uh, with with these women. So, you know, you're looking at, um, uh, you know, difficulty in sleep sleeping, irritability and um, hot flashes, uh, you know, etc. You know, a huge list of, um, you know, anxiety. Confusion. 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 Memory loss. <laughs> I, mean, I can't yes. remember the words. <laughs> I so I it goes on and on. Well. <laughs> it sounds a bit like um, me. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, men can suffer too. I'm just yes, going to say. They, do. <laughs> they can have night sweats due to low testosterone, you know. <laughs> so we can help and just as equally but i do th feel that uh, you know working with the endocrine system with specific techniques with the endocrine system especially um you know the adrenals and the um, pituitary thyroid and don't forget the ovaries as well you know uh, it's very powerful and the thyroid is really important to work the thyroid is is, is super important because um, you know, in naturopathy, yep. it's known as the third ovary and has a lot of influence. Um, and also, there's so many women out there, well, men and women, but especially women that have hypo, sort of subclinical hypothyroid issues. And so if your thyroid yeah. is not yeah. working at its optimum, then all the symptoms are going to be much worse. And, yeah. and, and very important, really, the most important, I would say, is the stress you know, to work with, um, you know, to alleviate stress, stress, and I mean that really to do with the cortisol, you know. So when, you know, because we have diminishing estrogen and progesterone as we get into menopause, and, and that causes all our symptoms to go haywire. Um, if our cortisol levels are high and um, we can really address the balance you know by reducing the amount of cortisol through reflexology to relax um, and alleviate the stress and will help alleviate the symptoms and that is key really um i feel so not really yeah. the diminishing Good. amount of estrogen and progesterone but it you know the acceleration of the amount of cortisol in the system i think that is is key mm. to address these the symptoms Okay, that's great. Thank you. I don't you. know if I answered the question, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, you definitely yeah. did. You <laughs> definitely yeah. did. It's just, a, just a little corollary to it. In, in many ways, with with menopause, yes, you're doing, you're doing your best you can to to get the hormones balanced, that the um, system works as well as it possibly can. But yes. it's one of those things where 
I'm, I was always taught, we were always taught that you, you, um, find the base cause of the problem and treat the, and treating the whole body, et cetera, et cetera, in order to get there, i.e. The, the hormone system here. But with menopausal problems, you're also treating si- uh, symptoms. Mm. And it's one of the, the rare occasions where you treat symptoms rather than the cause. That's what it seems to me, anyway. Surely they're both tied. Yeah. Not necessarily. It's the same, really, isn't it? Well. Well. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Martin. <laughs> I'm with you, Hagar. <laughs> um, it's also important uh, that we are working to move the energy through the body because we're thinking of the, you know, uh, uterus, the ovaries, the whole of the pelvic area. You know, um, we need to work those areas efficiently. You know. Ultimately, what we're doing is we're moving the energy. So it's all the body's energetics through the system, and that is the the lymphatics as well as the um, blood and the nerve nervous system. We're really moving, you know, the life force through that, you know, through that part of the body mm. when we're working, and that helps enormously with all the symptoms. I got um, going on to energy. Um, yeah. Do you ever get any? sensation within your body when you're using energy or moving energy yeah i mean it's the the client you know energy that i can feel when i'm working on 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 them do you pick up on it anything because for instance when sometimes when i'm working my lips go numb and they go (laughs) numb so much that I can't speak, <laughs> and they, they feel really. I know it's ridiculous, but but <laughs> I just wonder whether you felt anything in your. Treatments. I certainly do. I certainly do. I mean, not not always with everybody, but um, no. during a set during a reflexology session, usually I will, and yeah. um, it's, yeah. it's very significant. I don't feel it in the same that you're but uh, what I feel is um, <laughs> it's okay um, <laughs> what I feel usually is like a wave of energy you know that's coming from um, outside and it then in you yeah. know and I can yeah. sometimes feel what the what the person's feeling as well and I, usually I, I feel it when I'm doing working with my bimanual holds which is what I do with the endocrine uh reflexes and and some other reflexes so um yeah and that, that that's very powerful so i can feel quite a lot actually yeah fab that was a nice little bonus on there as well that's good thanks for that question wendy <laughs> um Okay, so this one's from Sheila via email. So she says, I'm a student and the question we all ask is about pressure. What is your advice on pressure and how to handle it? So maybe Martin, you could start us off. Okay, well, it it is a question that students ask. it's, It's very, very difficult to actually say what the pressure should be because... I can't feel what the student is feeling. But it's one of those things that you have to develop for yourself. It isn't a pressure. It's something that varies throughout a treatment in different areas and in different parts of the treatment. Um, I would say to a student, try to use a pressure that enables you to feel things. Then, as you go on, you will then be able to, to feel what's going on and to be able to treat it naturally. You will then start to change your pressure. But surely each client has different pain thresholds. So, I mean, that's why it's so important to watch their face when you're treating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think pressure is sufficient to be painful, um, is what what the the lady was asking. I think, how do they, you know, what is the pressure you use? Well, the pressure you use is sufficient for you to be able to feel what's going on and to be able to start to treat it. But it's different for, but for it's different each for client in every yeah. treatment, surely. Well, I, I agree with Martin in that if you cannot feel, you know, what you're working on, it's very different. You know, it's very difficult yeah. to treat. Um, so yeah. it is imperative, really, that you can feel the reflexes. So uh, and that means that the, um, 
the client or the patient can feel what you are doing. And, and for me, that is key because the most important thing for a reflexologist is to be able to f- find the reflexes to then treat them accordingly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that will yeah. be different for each client. Yeah. So one client, you would just stroke the feet and they were like, oh, it's really painful. <laughs> so then you would have to back yes. off it. <laughs> then for others, you know, you're thinking, oh, well, you know, this person, you know, can't feel anything and I have to really push hard. So, you know, the pressure yes. is different depending on the client. And it is important to feel what's going on, to be able to find, you know, the uh, through mm-hmm. touch, through palpation of the reflexes, what is going on and what the um, reflex story, if you like, or um, reflex picture, what it means and what it needs. Yes. And it is important, you know, because I've been taught that reflexes should be painful in good health, which turns around a lot of what people are taught. So that doesn't mean it should be torture, but they should feel it. And it should be like a positive pain, which actually yeah. people... Yeah, that's how um, people often enjoy. describe it as, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. that kind of like, I know it's doing me good, so it's fine sort of thing. That sure does feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> can I, if I could ask a question there, it came donkey's years ago. I was I was treating a chap who used to come every week. Um, I don't actually recall what the, the problem was. However, both he and I felt absolutely nothing. So how would you have gone about treating that chap? Well, if his feet were like rock, it could be very difficult to treat. Um, mm. I was taught 5%. People don't feel, you know, but I don't know if that's a true, <laughs> um, you know, uh, if that's the truth. But I, I would have tried to go deeper, use different techniques to see if it is because his reflexes are deeper. Some people's reflexes are more on the surface and others are deeper. Mm. And, you know, that's why you need different techniques to be able to access the reflexes. Um, But sometimes you do get people that are really, I mean, very rare. I mean, I don't think I've, I've actually, maybe once, you know, not being able to find anything, but generally you will find. Um, uh, But some feet are very, very difficult, aren't they? That chap obviously just needed a, a chat. No, perhaps. it wasn't the Maybe. case. It, it, what actually happened was I treated him from his questionnaire. Oh, okay. So, so that I was do I was treating him in the manner that I would have done if he was able, or if I was able to feel anything. So, in other words, I used the questionnaire to, to guide the treatment, and in actual fact, it improved everything. So reflexology can be very, very powerful, even though... So it got through without either of you feeling anything? Yeah. 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 Mm. Oh, well, that's... Having said that, that, it's only a one-off, yeah. Yeah. That's the reflexology. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. But maybe if he was to return, his reflex picture would show differently because often the second time can be more painful. And, you know, because as the vitality improves, the person will feel more. So there is that aspect, you know, that things will change, you know, they never remain the same. Yeah, this guy was a one-off agar. He he actually came probably over a six-month period once a week and it made absolutely no difference at all. Oh, right, he did come on once a week. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. made no difference yeah. and I just carried right. on the same way and he bit by bit yeah. by bit began to feel better. So I've been a reflexologist for six years now and I'm thinking about teaching one day. When setting up your schools, what was it that you struggled most with? And that's from Annette from Facebook. I think we struggled very much with getting the academic and the practical in the right proportion and to actually take on board that it is a vocational therapy as well. I think the three things are very important. It's no good having the knowledge of anatomy and physiology to an extent if you don't use it together with your knowledge, your practical reflexology. And I think that students today aren't given the right quantity of time on the practical area if you like. That's that's what I feel. I, I would agree with you. I, I have to say, when I started teaching, the most difficult thing that I came up with was the language. 
because it does seem that education has a completely different language. Jargon. Jargon, yeah. And they will change the meaning of a word in order to fit it in, in order to confuse people. That's what it always struck me as. I must quantify, I don't mean all, stu- all schools. No, 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 sort no, of, no. I'm sure a lot of schools teach the right quantity of practical. But, you know, in some cases, it's a very tiny amount. Hmm. Can I just say that when, when Wendy was setting up the school in the first place, we were living in a cottage on a farm. And I can remember sitting at the top of the garden and all of a sudden I saw a great pile of paperwork go up in the air and fly over into the field <laughs> to be eaten by sheep. <laughs> I have one of those the matter. She's just, I can't, I can't understand what they're talking about. Aims and objectives. Oh, I hate uh, They're the same thing. <laughs> so how do I know which one it's supposed to be? I hated aims and objectives. <laughs> it took me hours to get that paperwork back together. <laughs> I can't agree more. I'm so pleased to hear that because <laughs> this is my worst thing, you know, is, is the languaging, you know, oh, because good. I didn't come from that background either. <laughs> <laughs> I was just an assistant tutor and then suddenly I was running my own courses and yes, uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, I just taught the way my teacher talked, you know, and then mm. suddenly um, I have to sort into a box and to work out this jargon, as you call it, and yeah. I had no idea what they were going on about. And also frustrating, you know, oh, do they really have to do this, you know, the students? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it really important for them as a practitioner? <laughs> you know, yeah. so there's lots of things perhaps nowadays in a qualification that you'd maybe do differently uh, if you had the control. Mm. <laughs> um, yes, I It's just sort so. of, you know, uh, dot the I's and cross the T's as you were, you know, as it were. That, that was the beginning for me, very difficult to understand. Yeah. Okay, so this one is very relevant, especially for now. So Robin Wren 12 from Instagram says, would love any tips on helping with stress, especially in children with reflexology. I'm focusing on the vagus nerve, but any other advice would be very much appreciated. So Hagar, if you could start that one. I think that is what everyone, especially now, what's going on with the coronavirus as well. Um, being in lockdown is not helpful at all at making everyone mm. stress and fear and I think that reflexology you know uh, will really help and uh, you know especially with children children really respond brilliantly to reflexology and mm. obviously we would need to do the endocrine system to help with the stress so you know for the um, stress response so I would say you know that just actually holding a child's feet will help to calm them. Um, working the vagus nerve and working the endocrine system for the HPA access axis, mm. and um, and also kidney one acupoint um, is really soothing and helps to reduce anxiety. Especially is really effective, and also teaching them to breathe, perhaps just their mm. little breath. Yeah, absolutely. That, that helps with the stress. I find you know, if, if they sort of go up their thumb on the in-breath and down their inside of the thumb with their forefinger, so they go up with the in-breath and down with the out-breath and do all the fingers like that. Oh, that's that, a good tip. So they know how long it's supposed to be yes, sort of thing. It, it just yeah. gives them a little, almost a game to do. mm and it really helps to regulate um, the breathing, doesn't it? Um, reflexology. Yeah. You can yeah. see that um, yeah. as you observe um, someone who's receiving reflexology, especially children too, um, their breath will uh, normalise, and yes. um, and often they will take deeper breaths unconsciously. They will take deeper breaths, and the rhythm will come back to normal. So that is really um, important. And I do think that, you know, when you're working the diaphragm and you're working uh, the solar plexus uh, reflex area, which is also the area for the kidney one acupoint and also the phrenic nerve. So uh, there's so much going on in that point to really help mm. calm, ground, centre and relax and, and yeah. help with the breathing. Yeah. 
Okay, that's brilliant. Thank you for that. So here's one I get asked from students quite a lot. So do you have a go-to line for people who are sceptical about reflexology? Yes. You point them to the previous podcast, professionalreflexology.org, and listen to Andy Hobbs talking about scepticism. She is a philosopher. And she, if anybody would be sceptic, it would be Angie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also say it works on sceptics too. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's often actually, I don't get this question so much anymore. Um, and it doesn't really bother me, you know, because, I, I, no. I, you know, it's not like I'm trying to convert anybody. Because uh, usually what you're having is people coming to have treatment. So they've even if they are sceptics, they've decided they're coming to have a treatment yeah so they can't <laughs> be that skeptical then can uh, they they're yeah. usually pushed by, by a partner though or yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah that's true yeah <laughs> and really the answer to their question is in the you know is in the actual treatment because they then, yeah. then they feel the effect of the treatment so it sort of answers but i don't have a sort of uh, um a go-to no nor do I don't. you know and <laughs> uh, not a line as such yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think the thing is most people that you talk to about reflexology are either like-minded or they are coming in for you for a treatment so it's it's not so relevant is it you know it doesn't come up massively yes and I feel like you know years ago maybe you know when you're out and have you know dinner party or a party or you know and uh, people you know would ask you what you do and then you say oh reflexology and they go oh right how does that work then you know rubbing feet and all that you know and uh you know so then I would have my little spiel about it but now I'd be like you know (laughs) I don't it doesn't worry me I don't have to um yeah you, know, you don't fight it too much I don't have to say you know have to sort of convince them that it works mm. where I did you know many many years ago I used to feel quite well it was unknown then wasn't it yes and, yeah. and now you know I don't have to justify you know there's a feeling of justification I have to justify you know the treatment mm. and uh, the treatment speaks for itself so yeah. Um, so definitely. I always say, you know, have have a go. Why don't you have a go and see see how it feels? Yeah, see what you think. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so here's one that we've had a couple of variations of. I feel wiped out after a couple of treatments. I am otherwise in good health and try to look after myself. Do you have any idea why and how to combat this? Hmm. Perhaps they're not grounding themselves. Um I think if you're taught to ground yourself, you're actually quite safe from it. Yeah, that it's not going to affect you as much. That's right. Well, it doesn't affect you at all as long as you ground and protect yourself. Mm. Um, I can remember not doing it once and I suddenly burst into tears doing a treatment and I thought, yeah. whatever's the matter with me? I had the exact same oh. thing. When I, in fact, when I was learning and I was sort of like tumpty term, you know, going about my day and I, I didn't ground myself stupidly when I had my client in and um, exactly the same as you, like my hands literally sort of touched her feet for like two minutes and I just started yeah. crying. But this, this client <laughs> hadn't said anything. She, I mean, she was in the chair and after the treatment, I said, what, what's the matter? There's something the matter. She said, no, no, there yeah. isn't. So I said, yes, there is. I, I know there is. I, I feel weird. She said, my dog's just died. And I thought, oh, oh. my goodness. And that's what I obviously picked up her sadness. Yeah, mm. that emotion. Have you done that, mm. Hagar? I certainly do feel, you know, can pick up on feelings, you know, in sort of an, yeah. in an intuitive way. But I do feel also that the more you know yourself, the less you are going to be sort of vampired, if you like. <laughs> you know, right. that, um, you know, because the loss of energy feels like you're, you're giving something of yourself away, you know, and it is about knowing yourself. And I do feel that reflexology really is about the whole person being healed. And, and if you can get treatment yourself, that helps to ground you as well. And, you know, being centred and grounded is really important and and you can only do that the more you know about yourself and how to do it yes about looking within you know and knowing what is your feeling and what is the person's feeling and knowing the difference 
that is essential, really. You know, I think that's something that you build with time, you know, over a lifetime. You know, it's a journey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But we do have a couple of tricks. I mean, you know, I have one that I put a bubble around me and the bubble, yes. nobody can get into it. I can get out. Yes. But, you know, there, yes. there are certain tricks that you can do to protect mm. yourself from any outside horrors. Yes, absolutely. Like. Yeah, definitely. Ritual is very important. So if you, you know, oh, I mean, we all wash our hands before and yeah, after yeah. treatment. Yeah. And if we are doing these consciously, it's not just about the hygiene, you know. Absolutely. It is, uh, yes. uh, you know, we make this a conscious ritual. We're making sure we have breaks and walking in, 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 the, yeah. you know, in nature and all these things contribute to our well-being mm. and helps to center and, and nurture ourselves and so we are in a better state to deal with others yeah definitely okay so this is one from me as a reflexologist or as reflexologists we tend to have to do a lot of things you know we have to be a lot of things and one of my biggest fears is standing up and talking in front of people <laughs> obviously that's not going to happen anytime soon for the foreseeable future but have you Hagar I know you've done lots of talks and Wendy I'm sure you have as well but do you have any tips for people that are thinking of doing talks to various groups of people Libby you sound very confident <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I don't feel it. I know, I know, maybe not. I, I never felt confident and it was my biggest fear speaking in public. And before the first ever course I taught, I was absolutely petrified. It was a long time ago. And I remember mm. the first diploma course I taught by myself many years ago, um, I think 1990 or some 91. Um, I remember, you know, Tony Porter coming in and helping me set up the class. And then when they came in, you know, I was by myself and I started and I just worked them so hard <laughs> because I was <laughs> petrified. <laughs> you know, that they had no stopping time. We were just working through, you know, it was, it's terrifying. <laughs> I was too, Hagar. And I can remember with my course, I was physically sick before yeah. every session. I think it's I think it's a, a thing when you when you're sensitive like us, we <laughs> <laughs> we take it on board. <laughs> I think you've got to say yes to to these things, yes. though, because yeah. it helps it helps you grow, and also you know more than they do. That's why you're exactly. giving the talk. You're yes. seen to be the professional. Yes, you're at least one step ahead. <laughs> yes. In that, you know, that you have, uh, they want mostly. to know. Yeah, yeah. mostly. <laughs> you know, if it's about reflexology, they do not know anything about reflexology. Then That's you, right. You have some That's experience right. you can share. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And people are there because they're interested, you know. Um, yes, yeah. I actually remember my first time I ever gave a talk and it was – I actually think it went better than I think it did. But at the time, it was I was just qualified. It was like 1989 18, and maybe 1990. And I was working in a clinic that had an open day. And so I really didn't want to give a talk on reflexology, but I was encouraged by the people that, you know, that ran the clinic and said, yes, it'd be good for you. You should do it. You should do it. And they had this open day and it was in Muswell Hill. And there were loads of people on this open day and I had a scheduled talk at a certain time and I just had a porter ped, which is like a stool where someone sits and puts their feet on and a chart behind me. And I was absolutely scared stiff. I was really nervous and the room filled up. People <laughs> were trying to get in from the outside. People were on the floor. There must have Terrified. been six, six I was, it was terrified. There were about 60 people in the room and yeah. it was absolutely overwhelming. And I managed to do it. And then, then this one lady said, I can't hear you. Can I come to She was a little old lady and she had to come all the way to the front because my voice was so <laughs> quiet. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, I was very happy when it finished. <laughs> I had, I had a... a well, not a similar experience, but I had to talk to a room full of doctors at Kettering Hospital. And really, that was the most terrifying thing because I had a heckler there and oh, everybody no. knew. Oh, my goodness. He was, he was a, 
a gentleman that walked in and nobody would sit by him. So I knew he was going to be trouble. <laughs> and he really caused me quite a bit of difficulty with the questions he asked. But then all the other doctors were so lovely and they bailed me out one by one. <laughs> and it yeah. was it was okay. But my goodness, oh. that was scary. Yeah, that is, that's like my worst fear of doing a talk is that you get that one yeah, person yeah. that really tries to trip you up. He, sort of he, was, he was not a very nice person. Yeah. I don't think that's a, a usual circumstance, is it, though? No. I mean, no, it's like unusual no. something like that to happen. And I think, yeah. you know, if you're giving a demonstration, I think that's really helpful, you know, as a tip, because mm. you're showing a demonstration is a, a very good way of showing how reflexology works and, you know, the audience and, as and it were. get the audience sort of participating. You know, you can Involved. always say, has anybody got a bad back? And show them what to do with their thumb. And you always get somebody that goes, oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's, um, that's happy to, happy to volunteer. Yes. So, Hagar, did you, am I right in thinking that you did a talk to doctors in Argentina recently? Uh, yeah, um, I had an amazing uh, trip to Argentina in November where I was doing, a, 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 um, I was invited to do a workshop, Reflexology for Women's Health. And before I came, I had an, another invitation to speak at the hospital uh, Jose de San Martin in uh, Buenos Aires to give a talk, basically. Um, they have, I think, they have regular talks with it, the reflexologists together with the doctors there, which is incredible, actually. And this was for uh, reproductive health. So they were having a number of different speakers come in in, in the auditorium and they have uh, and these are quite regular occurrences. So I was mm -hmm. asked to and speak at this, uh, you know, reflexology for reproductive health. So <laughs> it was amazing, really, because I came into the auditorium and absolutely packed in this beautiful old hospital and it was all packed with loads of doctors and reflexologists and um I didn't really think it was going to be such a big deal but it seemed to be wow. <laughs> and it was amazing wow. because they have yeah I mean it, very <laughs> different to my first <laughs> talk yes. I must say um and uh uh, I was very lucky at this talk because I, I felt like, you know, everything just flowed through and I, I wasn't, I was nervous to, you know, before I went, but when I was there, actually everything flowed through me and they were, they were super, they asked me loads of questions and um, I was able to answer and give demonstrations and, and, and what was so lovely was that the doctors and the, and the consultant gynecologists and consultants and doctors all together from different departments, mainly obs obstetrics, I can't say that word, and uh, <laughs> gynae, <laughs> and, uh, and, and reflexologists. They have 40 reflexologists working in the hospital. Good Lord. Wow. Across seven of their departments, which I was incredibly Fantastic. impressed with. Um, Fantastic. And it's incredible work the reflexologists are able to achieve through this sort of multidisciplinary teamwork, really, um, together with the doctors and are really part of the team. I mean, the only down thing I would say is that they are voluntary. Um, so they're not right, paid. Okay. But yeah. uh, they are very much part of the team. And that was amazing. And to, to be, you know, on stage with it's a packed auditorium, you know, full of white coats, being asked questions um, of how reflexology would help was really amazing that doctors would ask a reflexologist these questions. <laughs> what a brilliant experience. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience, actually. A really wonderful yeah. experience. And the head of the uh, gynecology, Dr. Silvio Tatti, was there. And, and they all made a big effort to come. Reflexologists mixed with the hospital team. Fabulous. So that was Fabulous. amazing, yeah. That's brilliant. Mm. Okay, so while we're here, Hagar, we got this lovely comment from Danielle on Instagram. I can't think of a specific question, but can always learn a lot from Hagar. It's very lovely. <laughs> um, so Jacqueline via Facebook has asked, having recently qualified, I would love some tips on building my business. What are your top tips? Hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's word of mouth, isn't it? And you, you've just got to build it slowly. It is word of mouth. That's what's worked for me. 
It's just over the years, I mean, when I started, there was no social media, obviously. Mm, no. <laughs> and now everything is on social media, isn't it? But I still think it is word of mouth that gives you, you know, gets you the clients. If, yes. you know? And I think yes, obviously absolutely. a presence on social media is, 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 is very important too, even though it's not very, sometimes it's lovely to, you know, because it, it brings people together. But on the other hand, it's, it, it's you, sometimes you feel like a slave to it. So <laughs> it's having the balance. Yeah, definitely. It can be a bit overwhelming, can't it? Yeah. And, and you know, if, if I had my way, you know, I'm a bit addicted to it now, to be honest. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. I, it can be a little bit evil, <laughs> you know. But word of mouth for me, that's what's been successful in my practice is that yes. everyone um, has come from someone else, yeah. you know. Yeah. And in recent years with reflexology, education I've had people that have come from social media especially internationally but um, you know for for clients for patients it's been word of mouth and also for courses it has been the primary business primary source of yeah definitely I find that if you've got one client that's had a really good result you know you've managed to really help them in some way that they don't just tell one person either you know you can get like four five six clients that will come from that one person Martin did that for me he went right back to the very beginning and found that pretty well I think it was 80% of my clients came from one lady that I treated in the very beginning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> in the very first week. And he he went back through all the records and everything and, and actually came up with this 80%. So that was That's wow. amazing. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like reading a good book. You want everyone to read it, don't you? It's yes, that, you do. It's that thing. If you read read a really good book, you want you want, you're recommending it to everyone. And I think also, yeah. you know, when people are training as well, I tell my students, you know, that your case studies, you know, these are the people that are going to recommend your clients. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, this is the beginning, definitely. you know, and, uh, and that's how it is. Kind of leading on probably quite nicely from that then, this I'll make this our last question. This is relevant for the time because obviously as reflexologists, most of us are at home and unable to work for the moment. So do either of you have any good books on anything that you can recommend? Well, I've got a book that I'm reading. Uh, in a, I'm in and out of it all the time at the moment and it's called The Spark in the Machine. And it's mm. actually, it's not about reflexology, but it's relevant. It's how the science of acupuncture explains the mysteries of Western medicine. I sort of dip in and out of it because I love the way it's written and um, mm. it's entertaining and it's also easy to read. <laughs> oh, that's good because a lot of the books can be really quite heavy, can't they? Yes. I'm reading one at the moment and it's called How Your Mind Can Heal. And that's really an interesting one. You can dip in and out of that as well. But it's it's very, very interesting and very, very true. Fantastic. Well, that's great. Thank you for those. So thank you so much, everybody. That's been a really, really informative podcast, I hope, for everyone. So um, Hagar, could you just give us all your links and where we can find out about what you're up to and things like that? Where's best to get you on? Okay, so um, my website has uh, all the courses and workshops. Um, you can find out information on my website, which is www.reflexologyacademylondon.com. Quite a long one. Um, and also my Facebook uh, page, Hagabasis Reflexology. So that will have sort of live updates of what's going on as well and some interesting articles or things that I think are interesting in reflexology. And, yeah, I'm also on Instagram, yeah, so and Twitter, so do follow me. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. It's kind of a weird one, isn't it? It's a tricky time because all the things that we're normally up to, we're not really doing. Everything's on hold at the moment. So um, everything's on hold, but at least, you know, it's, it's really lovely to have all my family around, you know, so my kids are all home. So I'm very, very lucky and blessed to have, have them at home and we're eating dinner around the table again. Oh, that's How so lovely. lovely. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait for that. It's not happening here, Hagar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it will eventually. It will eventually. I yeah, know. I know. We'll get there. Um.
Well, this really has been such a fun episode to do. Thank you so much to you all. We'll definitely be doing more of these in future. So let us know what you think and please do send us any questions and we can tackle them next time. The links for everybody in this episode have been posted to www.professionalreflexology.org forward slash podcasts. And that's where you'll also find all of our social media tags. We regularly post on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. So do give us a follow on those. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, we would love to hear your feedback, comments and suggestions. And we will be back very soon with another episode.